Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 52. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's me, your host, Eric Cacciatore, and I have a great podcast for you today. This is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do that by listening to the stories of some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals and uh, take their advice and make our way towards having unstoppable restaurant dreams. So I have a great show for you today. Uh, I hope you appreciate it. Make sure you pay close attention to today's guest's advice on how to use social media to market. He's really well known in the industry for it, and he uh, drops a big old bomb of knowledge on that subject. So pay attention. You won't regret it. Before I hit play, just a quick reminder, please Give me a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You have no idea how much that helps me with uh, getting noticed. And uh, just spread the word. Share my content. It's all good stuff. It's all here to help. And I'm doing it for you. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Scott Schroeder. Scott, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm a great, and are you ready to drop some bombs of knowledge that are going to make all of our dreams just a little bit more unstoppable? I, I feel ready, Eric. <laughs> You're going to be great, Scott. I can't wait. So I'll just give a quick introduction, Scott, then I'll pass it over to you to elaborate. Uh, Scott is the chef of Southern Philadelphia Taproom and American Sardine. Uh, If you're looking for comfort food, this is your fella. Uh, You may remember seeing him on diners, drive-ins, and dives, showing off his out-of-this-world deep-fried PB&J. Need some help with your Twitter skills? He may be able to help you there, too. Uh, With no more delay, here is today's guest, Scott. Uh, Tell us a little more about yourself. Uh, well, um, I've been the chef at the South Philly Tap Room for uh, almost six years. It'll be six years in uh, Thanksgiving, or yeah, October. And then uh, the chef at the American Bar since it's open for three years. Uh, I'm a native of Philadelphia uh, 20 years ago now. I didn't really go to culinary school. I took one semester, so I didn't really do that. But worked under really good people starting in Detroit. Um, moved to Philadelphia and then ended up working under more good people. Um, eventually got tired of being the number two or under. So I quit and started being a chef uh, and kind of built my way up, um, eventually leading to the South Philly Tap Room, where uh, then I kind of started promoting myself through social media and uh, stuff like that. And then we opened the American Sardine Bar. And I uh, worked hard at doing this. Now we're up and running and we're sort of half secretly working on a new place now that we won't fully indulge in in the interview yet. Well, I can respect that. But, you know, I, I love how one of the things I really do love about this industry is the fact that really um, anybody with enough passion and drive can be successful. And a lot of people go for that. Uh, you know, they think they need to go spend all the money on an education. But if you, you can really teach yourself with being passionate and uh, just having that drive and that determinism to, to make it and uh, – 
that's what I love. I mean, it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You just had the drive and you were self-taught. Um, and you yeah, I think hard. that, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of, um, I mean, I, I did take a semester of culinary school and it really wasn't doing that all that great. I think I met the other kid that smoked pot. So it kind of went downhill <laughs> from there. Um, but I, I feel like too, and I, I think that like, I think Anthony Bourdain or someone said like, it is the one thing where you go, you graduate with a degree and you enter in at the same level as someone who has no degree because you really don't leave any culinary school and walk in as a sous chef or as a, you know, or anything, but literally you start on prep or you start on a salad station or whatever it is and you work your way up. So I did a lot of that. I mean, I really did start as a 15 years old. I was a dishwasher. I mean, I started there. So I think, and I think that's really the best way because it shows you, every aspect and why all those aspects are important and why the chef or the general manager or the owner are only one part of a real big machine that, you know, doesn't function if plates are dirty or doesn't function if a server's hungover mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's really like I'm only a small part of what happens in both restaurants. We actually have, you know, really good teams behind me that are just as, if not more important than just me. I mean, they could replace me as another chef, but... You know, they, we still Absolutely. need all those other people in place. You no, know, you could read every book there is about food and culinary background and the, the history of food. But the, the the truth of the matter is, unless you get that hands-on experience and you learn how to work in a team and you uh, can, you know, grind it out in the middle of a rush, um, you know, that's, that's what will make or break you. And uh, you don't need the, that formal education to be successful in this industry. I really don't mean that. If you want to learn something, just Google it. <laughs> like you can really, you can learn anything. It helps to have that education, but you're you're living proof that if the passion's there, the drive's there, and the skill sets there, you can make some things happen. So thank you for being an example. I like to start every interview off uh, with a success or success. We haven't monster. started yet. Well, we have started, but uh, we're going to get into the questions now. So uh, what's one mantra that you kind of uh, live by in your life? Or maybe it's a, su- a success quote that you kind of uh, have echoing in the back of your head when you uh, tackle each day. Uh, I mean, mine's pretty simple because I come at it from a culinary point of view. But my general thing is everything has to taste good all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of simple. And I think there's a lot of, you know, again, I think there's a lot of parts involved people come to restaurants because they're hungry. Mm-hmm. So to me, like the, as much as I feel like all parts are kind of equally important, I still feel like the food is the most important because people are there to eat. And I feel like, you know, certainly like bad service can, can mess that up and, and not having a clean restaurant and all, like there's all sorts of things that can mess that up. But most of the time when you have that in place and, the other things, it means someone cares already, so you're going to have those other things kind of fall in place anyway. So mm-hmm. for me, I guess, make things taste good all the time, no matter what. Awesome. Um, I love it. Uh, the next question I have for you is on the topic of you. What is it about you? What is your it factor, your characteristics that contribute to your success? I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I guess, uh, like to me, I mean, like I said, I, I, I really do know the – industry from the very top to the very or from the very bottom to the very top and i think that part of like the understanding of the fact that you know every single person in the building is just as important no matter what it looks like is kind of what i think is i don't know i think not all chefs have that a lot of us you know some people went to culinary school and i think you know, nowadays it seems like there's a lot of kids that come out of culinary school 
and they feel like, you know, they have the creative part down or they have this part down. And a lot of them don't really know how to cook yet. A lot of them haven't put in the time or um, the time or effort into really learning how to cook, you know, the simplest of things. And I think, you know, one of my old bosses, um, Brian Polson in Detroit, uh, used to always tell us that, like, it was like a building. Like, you had to have a strong foundation. If not, you could get so high, but eventually it was going to, you know, fall. And I think I, I, I mean, I couldn't mention any names, but I, I have seen people do that where they really just kind of get ahead too fast. And I get that, you know, everyone has bills to pay and all that stuff, but you really should take the time to learn that because it, I mean, with that, once you have that, you kind of are a little more, um, I guess, what are you unstoppable? <laughs> I guess you're a little more, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're a little more unstoppable because you really like, you really know your shit. And like, I have a, um, my friend David Katz, we're doing a, a pop-up uh, event tomorrow. And we were talking about that, you know, quite a bit of just about, you know, where we're both in our late thirties and just where we're at in careers. And I don't know, you kind of see like a bigger picture now and it's not just who can cook the best because that's an important thing, but cooking good should be par for the course, not the, not the part of it that, you know, makes you successful. Like Mm -hmm. very little of my job is, is cooking still. Like I still definitely do cook, but I don't cook on the line like almost ever. I do a couple things here and there, but my job is to organize and to, to watch costs and to make sure that, you know, everything tastes good. If I was stuck working on a line, I wouldn't see any of that stuff. And that's my job is to see everything, not just to see one thing. Like, can I still cook? Yeah. But I'd rather do that at home for friends or something like that than I would, you know, spend it in, in in the restaurant till one in the morning. I I did that when I was in my twenties. I'm in my late thirties. So your your title as executive chef, that's your job to kind of be aerial and hover above and to make sure that, so you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's really important um, that, you know, as a manager or as an owner, you remove yourself from the line and every now and again, you're going to have to step in when the time calls for it. Somebody calls out sick, but uh, really it's, it's good to have those, that ability to uh, just hover above and let your people that you trust, that you train, do their thing and to uh, just be there for support and to lead. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. And that's why I have people like you on the show to kind of, uh, to tell us the stories you have, to give us examples of what it takes and to kind of lead and, by example, for us to emulate your success. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess, you know, for me, like, I mean, I know that a lot of my job is the the creativity, and I'm aware of that, but, like, I don't, like, I never looked at it until, I guess, more recently at that part of it. Like, I always, I always made what I was doing more of a, um, in my mind, more of a, more of a trade and more of a blue-collar-ish sort of thing where it was, you know, more about, yeah. really learning a technique and really learning how to do something because the the creativity's for most I, I don't know maybe just for me but I feel like for most people that's the easy part like you can think of anyone can sit down and, and think of stuff that tastes mm-hmm. good I mean I don't know that everyone's really necessarily good at it but I've been cooking for I don't know since I was like 15 I'm 38 so like cooking for a long time but I've been eating for 38 years fully, so I know what I want, you know, and I, yeah. I know how to do that. Exactly. And I, and I think that too many people get get really focused on that from the beginning. I think I went back to harp on young people, but and it's not all young people. But I think there are there is a lot of that, and I think that to me that's always 
the key thing missing from most people is they just went too fast instead of like, you know, it is really important to know how to make a, a good yeah. simple soup. I mean, it gets you a long way and, you know, it, it's your, it saves you money. It gets rid of yeah. some of the stuff you have going in your fridge. And there's a lot of that, that, you know, people don't know how to do, but they can tell you how to make a, a really cool, you know, vanilla foam that goes on top of a yeah. black raw bass. But I don't think too many people really want to eat that. And it's yeah. kind of like, you know, you're you know, absolutely right. You need that foundation. Uh, you need to have a solid foundation uh, before you start adding on to it. So um, I completely agree. Uh, it's so important. Uh, I feel like we're going to pull back some of these other layers, but let me ask you the next question I have here. And that question is, on the topic of um, your favorite restaurant experience. So in this industry, we have so many great stories. Uh, some of these stories are aha moments. Some of them are self-actualization moments when you just know the, the industry for you. Or maybe it's just a funny-ass story. Whatever it is, can you share one of these uh, restaurant experiences with us and bring us right down to the moment and tell the story and tell us what you learned from that experience? Well, I have in the past gotten the opportunity to, to eat out quite a bit. And I feel like there's kind of a general focus of just knowing like i don't i don't know i guess i don't need as much out anymore because i'm kind of the curtain's been pulled back and i'm not as i'd rather not be in this environment to be honest like i spend my life in this environment okay so i would guess though those moments when i walk in and i do see that someone is doing it right like i see that the servers are being attentive but not overbearing and mm -hmm. they know what they're talking about but they're not boring me and my date or whoever i'm with 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 details when i was really younger i had when when morimoto first opened morimoto here my friend was the assistant manager and like he cooked for us and it was just him and there was a lot of parts of that that opened my mind to just different ways of thinking about food and and different ways of just how to make an experience a full experience it was as simple as like he had a soup course it was like a broth and halfway through the course he had a like a, a rock sitting on an open burner and just like grabbed his tongs, took the rock, rock and dropped it in the middle of the soup and it reboiled and was hot again. And we were like flash poaching like raw lobster. I went to WD um, 50 with one of my really good friends. And to be honest, we, we took mushrooms before we went. <laughs> and and that was, I mean, I'm it sure was, that was a, very, a great experience. <laughs> it was a, it was an amazing experience just to see like though, how, how good Wiley Dufresne is and how, well thought out it was and and for me like the real you know i guess modernist food is probably the thing that's the hardest to impress me with because i'm such a comfort food guy but to see like his food which had a it was a very involved process but when you ate it it still just tasted like comfort food and i think to realize like that i in that restaurant that i knew so little compared to this guy but at the same time the same foundation of like just having it taste good was really what it was about. Like it was interesting. It was texturally dynamic and it was the temperature was thought up, thought of, and you know, it was perfectly seasoned. There was all this stuff going on, but it was still just things that just reminded me of mm -hmm. things I'd had before. It was still in some way comfort food in its own way. It still felt like things that my, you know, my mom yeah. or my grandma would make or something. So I guess, I don't know. I've had a lot of those experiences. I'm trying to like focus on one, but I guess I, no, you, you brought us, you gave us some great examples. And, and what I took away from your experiences is that while we mentioned earlier that it's good to have your foundation and your base, 
Um, it's uh, the attention to detail and the ability to be creative and to take that rock and drop it in the soup to add a little extra flair. So you're now you're not just providing sustenance, but you're providing a, a really cool memory. And that's what's going to bring people back is that really cool memory and what's going to make it different from any other restaurant you go to. Um, any way you can separate yourself from others is really what I heard from you just now and then um, is what can really you know make you or break you. So um, is that kind of parallel to what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you got, you got a little deeper than I did, but okay. <laughs> well, no, it was very valuable. And I, I don't know. I, I, that's what I heard. And I'm sure that's what other people were hearing. Um, it's all great stuff. So the next question I have for you, Chef Scott, is on the topic of hospitality. Like you mentioned, um, yeah, if you're going to be in this industry, you need to know how to cook. It's par for the course. And if, if you're providing a service, yeah, you need to know how to serve your, your guests. But it's my belief and many other people's belief in the industry that what really separates the successful people are those who are, who are willing to go a step beyond and provide outstanding hospitality. And what I mean by hospitality is warmth, generosity, uh, a sense of community, and just going that extra mile to, to show that you care about your guests. So can you think of an example? Uh, maybe it was you doing something or one of your team members doing something that just really stood out to you and went you know, above and beyond what was expected. I mean, I guess I don't agree with that all the time. I kind of do, but I don't. Yeah. We don't really – I don't operate from that. I kind of feel like – I mean, the best example I can give is like I'm in this restaurant and there can be, I don't know, three or 400 people can walk through here in a day. And it's yeah. really hard for me to figure out what those people want. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for me to watch every server come to them and make sure that – Oh, this person likes to be pampered. This person likes to be left alone. This person likes, you know, it's it's a really hard, it's a hard thing to kind of, you know, negotiate because it's so many different personalities and walks of life and everything coming through the door. So I always think you're, you really have to be very, I think you have to be very critical of yourself. And I think you have to listen to what other people are saying. I don't think you always react to it. But I think that you you have to be very critical of yourself. And I think you really have to be coming from a very true place to what you believe you would really want to have put in front of you. Because everything I make and everything we do comes from the point of view of, like, what really would make us happy. Mm -hmm. Because I can deal with this, you know, I can talk to the staff of, you know, 20 people that run the place and get a good idea of what the customers think and what they think. And, but I think that one, I try really, really hard all the time. Like everything I'm doing, it's, it's how do I do it better than we did the last time? How do we make it easier on the cooks, but still make it taste better? How do we make this whole thing just a better experience? But a lot of it really comes from how do I make sure that the staff is happy mm -hmm. because I feel like they're really what's representing me and what is going to be put in front of the person coming in anyway. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as long as we're putting something genuinely good in front of them, that's served in a pleasant way, like anyone who, who doesn't like that and wants like, Oh, I can't believe that we don't have this on the menu. Or I can't believe that you took this off the menu or did this. It's like, you don't really get what we're doing, and I don't know that you should really be here. Like, I think that it's kind of like, I don't know, like, we're not, I think that we have something for everybody, but we don't have something for every single person on earth. I mean, mm -hmm. we really, you know, I write a menu, and it definitely has 
a red meat and a chicken and a pork and a vegan option and a vegetarian option and something with cheese and all these things, like all bases are covered. But, you know, someone wants, you know, someone will come up here and like, well, why isn't the grilled cheese sandwich at the American sardine bar like the grilled cheese sandwich at the tap room? Well, why would it be? It's two separate <laughs> restaurants. No, I, I yeah. completely understand what you're saying. Um, well, I think and- that a lot of that is just, for me, it's just, I, I try not to really, I try not to ever think about that stuff, but I try to make sure that it is the best that I really believe it can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's kind of our my philosophy. And it's a very common uh, reoccurring thing that I've noticed from a lot of my guests is they're constantly pushing to, to do it better. And they never settle for good enough. It's always, how can we do it better? And I'm hearing you say that. And what really stood out to me, too, and on the topic of enlightened hospitality, I don't know if you're familiar with Danny Myers setting the table, but um, enlightened hospitality isn't just being hospitable towards your guests. It starts with first with your team, your people inside. And you you're, you say that you, you're concerned about them and making sure that they're taken care of, making sure things are good and easy for them. Um, but it starts there. And if they're happy and you're taking care of them, it trickles down to your guests. So, I mean, that's a very important lesson. Um, and it sounds like that's where you focus on is you know taking care of those inner guests first, your employees. Is that accurate? Yeah, and almost and almost never the guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you're doing, man, it's working for you. So uh, keep mm-hmm. it up. Uh, the next question before the bombs of knowledge is: uh, What was your hardest like challenge or your biggest challenge uh, getting started, or maybe it's a challenge you're currently struggling with? Well, I don't. I guess I had three challenges. One, this was not love at first sight for me. I didn't. I was into music. I did all these other things. So I guess first was like figuring out how I fit into this and in how it worked for me and how it became a creative outlet. Once I tackled that, it became a passion, which was great. But then I would say probably the really the biggest challenge I came with was once I found it was a passion, it kind of became an obsession. Okay. And it was something that I didn't really, I didn't let anything get in my way. So I think that at that point, I was probably too driven. Okay. And, and during those times, I mean, I, I ended up divorced. I ended up probably... I don't know. I don't know. I was very, like, I had this vision in my head of what I wanted, and I feel like in retrospect, I probably could have done that with a little less selfishness and probably a couple less nights out and probably a couple of uh, smarter moves. But I guess, I don't know. I don't regret it, um, and I got to where I am, and I'm, and I'm happy. But I would say that, like, I definitely at one point was very wrapped up in the business, um, and not that I still am not wrapped up in the business, but I guess I can now see it step back and see it from a, a bigger picture and how I can be healthy and happy in this environment as opposed to just being so driven, so driven. Because I, I, I don't know, like, I do love it, but I also, I love more than this too. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, you know, as much as I love doing this, I also love stopping doing this and doing something else. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you need a break every once in a while. Yeah, so, so I think, like, learning the balance was probably the real toughest battle I've had. So is that the advice you would have for somebody who's currently struggling with the same thing, maybe too indulged or too um, caught up in the business? Like, what advice do you I, have for somebody who... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, like, watch yourself. I do, like, um, find, like, a healthy activity. I ride a bike. I meditate. I do yoga. Um, I eat healthy and I think that, you know, all those things are really like, you have to be a healthy person to do anything. And I think that 
I do kind of believe in the, you know, find something you love and let it kill you sort of, uh, sort of mentality. Yeah. But I also, in some way, like, I don't think it should really kill you, kill you. I mm-hmm. think there's a balance of like finding something you love to do, making sure you love it and love it for the right reasons. And then figure out how to be really for real happy in it instead of like, you can be too driven. There's such things. And it makes you, it can make you physically unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, like people get stressed out and people drink too much and people fuck up their personal lives. And I probably have, I I probably have done all those things. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have like regrets, but I don't know that those were necessary ways to get to where I was. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're supposed to try as hard as you can, but I think, the most important thing is like, you know, when you're done, you leave it there. Like you don't, you don't take that home to your personal life. And it's kind of hard not to, I mean, like we're eating and we're thinking about food and we're doing all those things. But like, you know, for me, like if I'm in this building or the other building, I'm the boss and I'm in control and I have to be like a certain, I guess, alpha male. But you know, when I, when I go home and hang out with my kid or my friends, I have to know to shut that off too. Yeah. And I think that it it, it is like, you know, you need the one, but you also have to make sure that you have the other and that you really, if you really want to be happy in the business, you have to figure out how to for real be happy, not just be happy in the business. Absolutely. You you need to find a balance is what I'm hearing. Um, And you have your work, but you need to keep your sanity too. And you need to focus on what, you know, yeah, your work is value. It's a value in your life, but also your family and your kids and your friends. uh, Those are all values that you need to find time for and balance into it. And uh, it's a great advice. So I think that's the first time someone's ever said that on the show. So thank you so much for sharing it. And we're going to jump into the part of the show now I've dubbed Knowledge Bombs. And you're just going to drop some big old bombs of knowledge on us. Uh, It's meant to be a little faster pace. And uh, you just tell us what you know and uh, blow us away. You ready? Sort of. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> knowledge bomb? Yeah, man, you got it. You're going to be great. So um, the first the first bomb of knowledge you're going to drop on us is on the topic of uh, employee retention. It's no secret that em- employee retention is one of the biggest challenges in the industry. So what advice do you have to find these folks and then hang on to them? Uh, I would say don't be too nice and kiss anyone's ass. I mean, you realize that not everyone's there for it. You want to make sure that people are on the same team as you so uh treat them with respect but make sure they're treating you with respect because it's very easy and i think everyone does it where they the restaurants are busy and you don't want to lose somebody because they're such a key person Mm -hmm. and you end up getting trapped with them so i would say you know be respectful make sure though make sure being respected back and if and don't let yourself really get backed in a corner and don't ever feel like you're being backed in a corner Mm -hmm. like you know i don't think it's it's healthy for anybody Absolutely. Mutual respect is always important no matter what situation you're in. And most of my employees have been with me for for three to five years. Too. Why do you think that's the case? Because I, 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 res, I respect them. Yeah. I respect that, that you know, that um, they have lives. I respect that, you know, they're going to work a lot and they're going to get stressed out sometimes. I respect that, you know, they're going to have a couple little blow-ups, but little blow-ups and big blow-ups are different. So, yeah. I mean, I just think that, like, generally, like, and the other thing is I don't I don't have a lot of rules. It's just basically do your job right. And so once in a while I have to pull someone aside and ask them if they really feel like that was them doing their job right. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they weren't and know it and kind of don't have much of a defense except for 
hey, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, I shouldn't have done that. I was, you know, I'm pissed about this or pissed about that. It's like, okay, we can air grievances, but let's not air grievances at eight o'clock on a Friday. Let's let's air the grievances on on a Monday at two. Yeah. So I guess I, I and I and I generally like I don't know. Like I said, I work with these people, all of them almost for three to five years. So they're kind of, I mean, they are sort of my family too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you. I think you hit it on the nose. It's just what it, what it boils down to is having that mutual respect for each other. And if you have that respect, um, great things will happen. Um, so the next question I have for you is uh, on the topic of like, what's your your favorite resource in the industry? How do you stay connected and stay on top of what's happening in the industry? Is there a book that you've read, a website you go to, or a magazine that you just love? And can you share that with us? Uh- <laughs> I don't have any. No, it's all right. <laughs> I, I'm so introverted. I swear to I, Like, I, I have a lot of, like, I guess I would say that would be, um, in the industry, it would be, like, talking to my chef friends. Like, I go, I'll, I'll, I'll have my friends over for dinner. I'll go meet them for a drink. And that, you know, those rap sessions about food and what's going on here and what's going on, you know, in other places. But I really don't. I used to, but I don't read many food blogs because... I kind of try to do what I do, mm-hmm. and I'm influenced more by a meal that I had at someone's house that their aunt made or something I ate at the Vietnamese restaurant or a thing I had, you know, at my friend. Like, you know, uh, but I don't know. I mean, the, the last book or the book I'm reading is uh, Wild Fermentation by Sandor Katz just because I like making kombucha and sauerkraut and stuff. But, like... It comes into the restaurant, but I get influenced just, I mean, everything I eat and see and, and is, is some sort of an influence, but I don't read books. I don't look at food blogs. I barely, I'm, I'm really like, as far as that stuff goes, I mean, I'm very, my sous chef at the, or chef de cuisine at the South Philly tap room. And then people I work with a little bit, but it's really more about, I mean, it's, I'm really like, it's more about what I want. Yeah. I know that probably sounds horrible. No, selfish, but that is what it is. Uh, your answer is not too uncommon. People say that often. And really it's just a matter of keeping your ear to the ground and listening to the people in your community and finding out what others are doing and what you like and what goes well with your, um, your, your vision and what you love. Uh, so that's not a stupid question or answer at all. Um, so basically, sorry roommates calling me um so yeah no it's it's a good answer so th- i really appreciate you sharing that with me and the next question i have for you chef scott who is one innovator or what is one industry innovation that has your attention i have two guys so i have to do two that's fine. um probably my favorite chef in the city is greg vernick um i feel like greg greg's like the i don't greg's like one of the best cooks and chefs i've ever met he knows his his shit so well it comes across in every aspect of his kitchen and restaurant i mean it just to me i find him almost sort of a little intimidating sometimes not in a like for real way but like there's something about him where it's just like wow that guy knows his shit like i'll have a conversation with him and he knows what exactly his food cost is on every menu item and like i'm I don't. What's he doing right now that's innovative, would you say? I think he's doing just progressive comfort food. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's really – it's just something about how good he is at it and how he could have opened a restaurant anywhere he wanted to but kind of chose to come home and set up just a good restaurant in Philadelphia and, like, build his own thing there. And then probably – and probably maybe the answer you're more looking for, probably someone who – 
I find the most innovative would be Eli Culp at Fork. I think that Eli just, um, I think Eli's just sort of a genius. I think that he <laughs> um, has such like a genuine, like he's just so creative and so ready to put so much. He puts so much on a plate and it's never stupid. Like some of his plates have so many components on it and I can tell, but it's never like, forced or seems overdone they all just kind of play with each other and it it all seems like one one finished thought in the end but like he really like he's just really a very very talented guy and like i I don't know he got like the food and wine top 10 chefs this year and i i i think he really deserves it i think that he's just someone who uh you know, and and I look at him too, and he's kind of a guy too, where he's doing all this stuff, but he's, you know, he's he still has his wife and kid, and he still is just like, you know, he has a normal life, you know, outside of his restaurant, but he has a real drive and a real, um, I don't know, he just does things that I wouldn't think of, and in some ways, he sort of, I would I would hate to tell this to his face, but he kind of changed the way I thought about food a little bit and kind of he, he's he's really talented and he kind of he's really impressive to me. No, and that's some deep stuff and I'm sure if Eli is listening he's going to be uh, pretty moved man so uh, No, he'll probably <laughs> send me a text to break my balls about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, no, thank you for sharing both of those uh, innovators and uh, the cool things they're doing. Um, we're wrapping up here. We're getting close to the end. Uh, just a couple more questions for you. Um, so the next question is your chance to be completely objective uh, over a product or service that's coming into the industry. Because right now, in in this time of, you know, in this the, in this day, there's so many new products and services that can supposedly make our restaurant run more productively, more efficiently, and give us a really great return on investment. Is there one uh, product or service that you are using in your two restaurants that uh, you would suggest somebody else looking into to get a maximum return on investment? I don't. I mean, I think that really being aware of how much goes on on the internet with social media is the most important thing right now. I think that having that strong presence is uh, really really gets are there, word out about your restaurant. Are like there any just, services you're using to help you kind of manage that presence and to keep track of who's saying what and how you're saying it? Well, I mean, we just, I mean, we're just, we're increasing in sales, so something's working, but we are very active on Instagram and Twitter, and I think that those things, as, as kind of silly as they are, they really have a huge impact. I mean, they really, like, I put a picture on Instagram and people come in and eat it. Like, that, <laughs> that, that's, there's a very direct correlation between the two. Um, so, you know, I think that the like just social media in general is just very, very important. And I, I think that, you know, those like I get a phone call from a food writer because I put a picture of a pig brain slider on the internet. And so the food writer wants, oh, what is that? How much is it? And you know, like I get a, a call like that, you know, fairly regularly just from just from something like that. So mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean I don't I think like that stuff and like we don't really do any PR stuff because I, I don't want, I don't know if we can really afford it Two, yeah. I know we don't want to afford it and it's, it's free and easy and it yeah. works. But so, I think that, you know, a lot of people are bad at it too. That's the other thing. So I think that having that, 
someone good at it is very important. What makes you good at it? What what advice do you have for somebody? And I don't always get people on the show that are as well, uh, who have as much of a, as a presence that you have um, with their social media. And that's, I'll be honest, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to come after you because um, you were mentioned on one of my previous shows by Anna Tazin, and I said, this is some guy who knows what he's doing, and I, I want to pick his brain, and I want our listeners to learn something from him. So if you could drop one piece of advice on us, um, how to make your social media efforts better, what would it be? Well, I, I mean, I, to me, I mean, there was, I did an interview, I think a lot of it is just, a lot of people do it in like, I'm sort of offensive, and I'm sort of, I'm just myself. I mean, there's nothing that, a lot of it's a little dramatized and comedic, but like, it is just me being me. And I think in that way, like it shows because it shows that there's a real person in the restaurant and mm-hmm. not just like, you know, a lot of the, the social media from other restaurants and stuff is very uh, cookie cutter and very safe. Yeah. Very, you know, um, it, it, it all looks the same. There's just like, this, there's this picture of this thing. And a lot of times it, sometimes it affects the, it represents the food, but it's, you know, there's, and I look too. a lot of times, uh, Oh, well we got this person who's consulting and for our social media. And you look at that person's social media and like, they got like 60 followers. They're not even doing anything. It's like, well, how good are they at this thing? Yeah. And not that it doesn't start there. I'm not saying anything, but it's, you know, I, I'm a lot of the voice of both of the restaurants and I'm a lot of the food and I'm a lot of the personality. So why not have that, you know, show people where that is and what that is. But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to tell people how to be good at it, but I think like being yourself, but being yourself for real, instead of being like what people want you to be on there, because you can be offensive and you can like, you know, everyone hates Yelp. So I just blast Yelpers on the internet. Like I post their dumb reviews and I, make fun of them publicly. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Everyone knows that they're there. Why should, why should I just look at their review and go, Oh, what an idiot when I could make fun of them. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) there's nothing, there's no real good thing to come out of that. Yeah. Chef Scott, what you're saying is, you know, so spot on. And I don't claim to be an expert in social media marketing. I have read a few books and everything I've read, every expert I've spoken to is says exactly what you're saying. And it's just be yourself and you look at a lot of people out there, they don't know how to, to do social media for their restaurant. But then you ask them, well, do you have a Facebook account for your, yourself? And they're like, yeah, we'll just lose that. Your restaurant is yourself to a certain extent. It's an extension of who you yeah. are many of the times. And just act like you would and be yourself. And it's those people who aren't afraid to be themselves in their restaurants and th- that are successful. They have their, their vision. They have who they are and they just stick with it and that, and they don't let anyone. No, I, I agree. I think a, a lot of people have trouble just being themselves in real life yeah. too. So, I mean, so maybe therapy, maybe start <laughs> with therapy, meditations, <laughs> yoga, bike rides. I do stuff like that. But I, I just think it is like, I have a message to get across about what we're doing. And, you know, we do what I think is kind of just no frills, creative comfort food. Yeah. And like the one restaurant is sandwich focused. The other restaurants more classic gastro pubby focus. So those are those things that we're representing. Um, you know, we're using local ingredients. We're using all this stuff. We're, we have relationships with the farmers. We have all these things going on. So those are the things that I talk about yeah. and make fun of. And you know, but and, and most of the people who who figure it out eventually come into the restaurant and meet me. Realize I'm not really an asshole. Yeah. I'm not really any of these things. But I think that. You know, why do you want to, if you want to get 
a little attention for your restaurant, you know, I think that having the confidence to be yourself, having the confidence to make fun of yourself, having yeah. the confidence to make fun of a mistake and like those things go a long way in life. I don't know why it would be any different if you're trying to promote something. Yeah. I think that it's kind of true in all aspects, now, I guess. Um, the, the qualities that I'm hearing in, in a roundabout way, uh, transparency, honesty, um, you, you're just you're, you're not putting an act on. You're just being yourself. And when people can see through uh, the window. Sometimes the drug you, tweets are a little bit of a <laughs> you know, Whatever works, man. Um, and I have to ask, has anybody approached you for your own uh, personality uh, reality TV show yet? Because I heard that somewhere in the- <laughs> Somewhere, somewhere, somebody was saying something about that happening, projecting into 2013. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, whatever you're doing, Not man. Yet. Maybe, maybe someday. They should. Keep up the good work and uh, check out Scott's uh, Twitter handle. It's uh, uh, Food You Can Eat, correct? Foods. Foods You Can Eat. Uh, foods You Can Eat. If you want an example of um, somebody who just engages in, in themselves, check out his handle. He does a great job at it. Um, one more question, Chef, before we uh, wrap it up, and that is, what is your best advice for somebody getting started in the industry? Uh, go to school for something else or don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Try, like, just having dinner parties at home and get it out that way. Yeah. I, I, my, like, the same, like, make sure you really love it and try really hard. Yeah. That's all there is to it. I mean, like, but make sure you really do love it. You're not, because, like, you're not, it, it doesn't, it doesn't get you, like, I don't know. It doesn't get you girls. It doesn't really get you much money at first. It doesn't get you, like, anything cool. You're, like, poor forever, and then eventually if you get lucky, something breaks and someone will pay you for it. Or you're <laughs> maybe someone invests in you. But, like, just – you have to make sure that you really want to do this. It's a very hard, stressful job. It takes away from a lot of your personal life. And so make sure you really for real want to do it. Don't do it for a, a, a phony reason. Do it – you know, be altruistic about it and make sure that that's the thing you want to do because you're going to spend so much time doing it to be successful. And there's no real, the easy roads into this business don't really get you anywhere. Even mm-hmm. if you have rich parents, your restaurant is going to struggle to be successful just because your parents have money. Exactly. So yeah. my parents don't have money, which I curse them for daily. But <laughs> um, I would say that that's just make sure you for real love it. And then once you love it, like, just try really hard. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in monotony. It's easy to get caught caught up in just and getting frustrated and all these things. Like, just try not to do that and try really, really hard. And you should be fine. It's not that hard. It's not rocket scientists. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to be a president of the United States. You're just trying to be a cook so or all, a server or whatever. All incredible advice, Chef. And uh, th- that's all the questions I have for you. Are there um – any questions you think I could have asked to make this uh, this interview more valuable to our listeners? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I hope someone got some out of it. I don't know. I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember starting out, so I think about that a lot when you when you like contacted me. So I mean, I guess I hope that like um, I hope it was helpful to someone, and I hope that uh, you know, I don't know. I think that I'm being honest. No, so honesty is all we can ask for, and I'm sure it was helpful to plenty of people. I know it was for me. Is there anybody that you think would add value to this podcast? Anybody you think I should go after in your uh, your network of uh, chefs that would add some value? Uh, who can you suggest for me? Um, if you could get Eli Culp to take your phone calls. I mean, he's food and wine top ten chef now, so if you can, like, <laughs> if you could get him to take your phone calls. 
I think Greg Vernick is great. I think um, Philly has a lot of awesome chefs right now. I mean, like, I don't know, George Zabatino, Jason Chikonsky, Dave Katz, if he ever gets back in the business. I keep um, going, man. I'll, I'll, I'll go after all of them. You give me a list. Uh, I'll do I who can. else? Nick, Nick Elmy. Did I say that guy? Nick Elmy's a good dude. Joe Chicala at Labor 2. Um, awesome. Well, I mean, all those all those guys, like, Philly's uh, uh, doing pretty good food-wise, and there's a lot of – Peter Serpico's amazing. Um, I mean, all like, it's there's a lot – It's there's too many people to touch on. Rich at Veg, the vegan chef, I mean – who who the fuck opens a good vegan restaurant? I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> Rich Rich at Veg is, has maybe one of my he has one of my favorite restaurants in Philly. Not my favorite vegan or vegetarian restaurant. He has one of my favorite restaurants in Philly. And the guys, you know, built it up with his wife and been through the suburbs to the South Philly to Center City, and he just kills it. I can't. There's so many people here. I don't know. I, we've gone for too long. Well, thank you for b- providing that list. If if you were on that list, guys, I'm coming after you. So look out. I'll be tweeting you. Uh, Scott will tell you that I can be pretty um, persistent, and uh, <laughs> I, I I make it happen. So uh, I'm coming after you. And uh, thank you so much, Chef. Uh, and is there any way we can connect with you um, if somebody's listening in and they want to uh, maybe come for a job interview because they're looking for a boss that gives them respect? <laughs> um, yeah, they. At food you can eat is a great way to get a hold of me. I'm always tweet at me. I'm sure that I'll either answer or make fun of you. So one of the two. Great, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chef. It was uh, truly valuable. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Uh, you're quite the uh, personality, and uh, I can't wait to get this published. I'll let you know when it gets out there. And best of luck with everything in your new restaurant. Thanks, Eric. Take care. See you, bye. <laughs> Well, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Man, uh, Chef Scott Schroeder, you were uh, quite the personality, and uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you today. Uh, you had some great advice. Some of the things that really stuck out to me personally was just your advice to get all aspects of the restaurant industry and learn it all from dishwasher to bartender to server to uh, line cook to chef and yeah maybe having a, an education can be valuable but to have that real life experience and to uh, just get into it and to get a feel of how every aspect every function of a restaurant uh, works can just be so valuable and uh, those life lessons uh, just by working in the industry can be just as valuable as having a $100,000 education, if not more. So that's just really important to know. I'm not saying don't go to school and don't study, but uh, it's not necessarily completely necessary if the passion and drive is there. You can learn a lot from people in the industry. And you had some incredible advice on the topic of um, treating your people right. we talked about enlightened hospitality, and you said you really just you don't really think that you are hospitable. But you know the truth of the matter, Chef Scott, is you are hospitable, uh, and you show it towards your your inner guests, your employees. When you have that hospitable attitude towards your employees, it trickles down to your guests, whether you realize it or not. And um, I'm sure that uh, respect you give to your employees and that uh, relationship you have with them is one of the reasons why you and your restaurants are so successful. And then lastly, you had some incredible advice on how to use social media to market your restaurants. Really, the trick, in my personal opinion, is just be yourself. And yeah, not everyone 
is a character or is extroverted and is outspoken and has that personality, but maybe someone in your team does. And I mean, just don't overthink it. And if you have a, a social media account, I mean, I personally think your restaurant is an extension of who you are. And uh, if if you have a personal account, just make it one and just join it because really that's who you are. If you're an India restaurant owner, your restaurant more than likely is your life. So just combine the two. That's my advice. Just be yourself. Have that personality and don't overthink it. And uh, you can see that's what Chef Schroeder is doing and he's having great success with it. And that's all I wanted to talk about today. I hope you guys are enjoying these shows and finding value in the the information, the content that's embedded within. Uh, I know I am. I'm having a blast learning from all these great folks. Chef Schroeder, he was fun. He's a great personality, and we learned a lot from him today. So um, check out his Twitter handle, Foods You Can Eat, to kind of get a taste of what you can be doing with your own restaurant, social medias, by making uh, an example of his restaurant social media um that's all i have for you today i hope you guys enjoyed it until next time peace out